You're listening to the Voices in Education podcast, powered by Securely, where we hear from new voices and explore new ideas about how we can reimagine education to support whole student success. Education is at an inflection point. As we grapple with complex challenges like funding and enrollment, as well as diversity, equity, and safety, we also have an opportunity, an opportunity to reimagine education. Now more than ever, we know the importance that students' overall well-being plays in their success. They need to feel supported and safe and connected to be able to engage in their learning and achieve to their full potential. Join your host, Casey Agena, a former teacher turned instructional coach and technologist, as he interviews inspirational educators, school leaders, wellness professionals, and more to amplify their voices. You'll learn about the innovative work they're doing to support students' safety, engagement, and overall wellness. And who knows, you may even spark a new idea of your own. Ready to reimagine education? Let's go. Welcome to the Voices in Education podcast powered by Securely, and I'm your host, Casey Agena. And in today's episode, really glad to be joined by Sierra Malia Foxwoods from Panorama Global in Seattle, Washington. Her work is a program officer, program manager, supporting organizations, both fiscally, programmatically, who support adolescents and mental health and the work that they do to make sure communities and families are safe and feel supported. Listen in as Sierra and I talk about the work that she does and the important role that organizations such as hers play. Welcome, Sierra. I'm glad to have you here. Mental health, it's, it's a hot topic now. For particular groups of people, it, it's been really challenging whether it's young adults in school, students in school, classrooms, at home, a working adult. So uh, tell us a little bit about the Upswing Fund, what it is and the work that you do and why you're so passionate about being there. Thanks so much, Casey. It's great to be here with you today. Yeah, super excited to chat about the Upswing Fund. As you mentioned, we're a collaborative fund that focuses on the mental health and well-being of adolescents of color and LGBTQ plus youth. Uh, we were launched in October 2020 as a COVID relief effort, responding to what we're continuing to see is just worsening, the worsening of the impact of the pandemic on adolescent mental health. So acknowledging the disproportionate impact that diverse youth face, so that's youth of color and LGBTQ plus youth, we are squarely focused on serving this target population. To date, we are very proud to have awarded over $11 million to 92 organizations across the nation. Uh, we're currently supporting organizations in 33 states and Washington, DC, and taken together, looking at impact over this past year, our grantee partners have served just under 2 million adolescents and have hired over 500 staff. And that's to provide surge capacity support so that organizations across the country can meet increases in demand for, for mental health care. And what 
to your question around why I'm so excited to work for the Upswing Fund, I think we're just really proud to support organizations that meet youth where they are. And that can be providing care to, to students in schools, through teletherapy or providing supports and resources online, or just new innovations in engaging youth through sports, through games, or even like walks in the park and supporting therapists to meet youth when and wherever they can access their services. And I think that's been the challenge, particularly with organizations that are supporting and serving youth, whether it's on campus or in school resources, people, that there has been and there is this money available to use to support organizations. There are organizations like schools, like after-school programs that have these particular groups. And then there are those third-party, right? Those solution providers that need the fiscal support and are looking for, or maybe have a little bit of connection to those particular clientele and how that, yeah, and how that triangulates. So tell us about uh, the role that you have in helping to kind of connect those dots. Yeah, that's a great question. So our primary strategy for grant making this past year was to support primarily direct service organizations that are providing the care to these to these schools or to these youth and their families through nonprofits like youth development programs. But a smaller subset of our portfolio includes what we call system enablers. Hmm. And those are project-specific grants that are really focused on systemic changes to addressing these gaps in adolescent mental health care. So I'll provide two examples just to give some context. Yeah. Uh, The first, towards expanding the mental health care workforce, we know that there's a shortage of providers and even worse, there's a shortage of culturally responsive providers, Mm -hmm. providers that look like you when you go to seek help, um, which we know is really important to establishing trust and being able to have a level of understanding with your provider. So towards expanding this mental health care workforce, we partnered with Active Minds based out of Washington, D.C., where they trained 120 students to develop mental health campaigns in their schools to address mental health needs in culturally responsive ways. So really putting youth in the driver's seat for asking, hey, what is it going to take to improve your mental health and, and that of your peers? And, and what would you do if you were given resources to change them? And, you know, with that, I mean, I think one thing missing is that we know, or maybe unknown, of what the capacity is of youth to be able to run these campaigns and to that their engagement with their peers actually really helps move this expanding effort in terms of mental health awareness and then solutions for that. And I I think we sometimes miss out on that particular group. Totally. And a consistent theme that we've been hearing from our grantee partners is that youth are now more interested and engaged than ever in mental health. They care about this topic. Gen Z wants to see improvements. They want to see resources and they want to be that resource for their peers. 
And it's really up to us to be able to provide opportunities, to provide a seat at the table, to help them help us to mm -hmm. co-develop solutions or even evaluate existing ones. I think, especially in work with schools, we've heard from some of our partners that there's not enough resources uh, to support this kind of work. And, and youth are, are interested in it. And, and it's really a great opportunity to leverage that energy and momentum. But we have to, we have to let, let youth lead the way. Yeah. And to that point, I think the way that youth are engaged in schools on a daily basis, how they have been engaged in schools previously in remote teaching and learning models to even now as we're seeing some schools pull back into some hybrid learning, those digital tools and those interfaces that they have both for learning as well as beyond school time where they're finding ways to connect with their peers, finding ways to have a chance for others to hear them, whether it's I need help or do you mm -hmm. need help? or whatever it may be, what have you seen out there in terms of that expansion of digital tools as it uh, addresses uh, social emotional learning and or mental health? Yeah, this is definitely a space that is rapidly evolving. We've seen a lot of digital health tools geared towards various populations, but particularly uh, for youth, acknowledging that, hey, youth are on their phones. Uh, a good part of the day and it's a it's a confidential easy to access resource there's two organizations that i want to highlight here that we support and partner with that are working to expand the use of digital tools and what i want to kind of earmark here is i think there's there's a benefit in expanding tools but our our focus is really on by and for youth of this population. So our work is, is looking to support organizations that are supporting co-developing solutions, not just with youth, but with LGBTQ plus youth and with BIPOC youth that can share their lived experience to help inform the creation of these solutions. Mm -hmm. So the first one is a partnership with Colorado Education Initiative and Grit Digital. And what they've done this past year is engaged youth to co-design an app for high school students to reduce loneliness. <laughs> so if you're familiar, there's, there's a Nod app that exists and it is geared towards college students. And what they found is that it is successful in reducing loneliness. So what they've done this past year is how can we transcreate or translate this to be effective for a high school population and specifically a BIPOC and LGBTQ plus population? <laughs> so yeah, we're really excited. This is rolling out in the spring across uh, three high schools in its first pilot. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes a marketplace where we don't know that it is a marketplace. It's like that diamond in the rough. It's a diamond. It's, it's something that's there that's, that, that, that we need and, it, and we want and we want to address, but we don't necessarily know that it's there. And having organizations and initiatives like this to help kind of bring it up to fruition, like, wow, I didn't realize that that's a place of need. Completely agree. 
in addition to doing all of this research and creating the app, you know, they're really intentional around marketing and trying to put this in front of not just youth, but their parents and their caregivers, because it's really important that you can kind of socialize and help familiarize these kinds of tools for caregivers as well. Uh-huh. Let's take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. The Voices in Education podcast is brought to you by Securely. Pioneering the student safety movement in 2013, Securely continues to lead the charge in innovative education technology. As the only whole student success platform for K-12 education, Securely helps schools ensure student safety, increase student and family engagement, proactively support student wellness, and optimize student device and technology initiatives. More than 15,000 schools worldwide choose Securely to help them keep students safe, engaged, and well. To learn how Securely can support your school, visit www.securely, that's S-E-C-U-R-L-Y dot com. And now back to the interview. Thinking about teens and particularly those here in the U.S. where uh, we do much of our work, what about access to mental health care and digital solutions for them that they can get to? Yeah. So another example would be one of our grantee partners, also a collaboration, the Fox Lab and the Lab for Scalable Mental Health. What they've done is acknowledging that many U.S. teens are unable to access mental health care. They've developed a no-cost solution through single-session interventions. And what this is, it's research-based. It's proved to reduce depression, hopelessness, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts and behaviors in adolescents. And it's based on the premise that a single-session intervention or a single-session engagement can be effective. And it doesn't have to be you know, seeing a therapist or using teletherapy once a week for four months to see results that for some youth, and this kind of is tied back to MTSF and Steph's care, for some youth, they can really benefit from single sessions, from saying, hey, I'm struggling with this right now. And having that intervention be connected with a care navigator that can say, I totally hear you. It sounds like you need help in X, Y, Z. Here are some resources that can help you. And so it's based on this assumption that you can still be effective in short, single sessions. It's, uh, I think, layman, uh, a scaled support, right? That there's some who need, I I need a check-in. And I need the ability to check in with somebody versus somebody else who needs, I need some ongoing support because of, some trauma or whatnot, or an individual identified by a school counselor or an adult or whatnot that need that support. And having those uh, scaled solutions in your portfolio to address the multitude of different ways that mental health is coming to the top in terms of our own observations. Definitely. And these kinds of single sessions or resources and tools can be an entree into more supports or more frequent supports, just like you're mentioning. I think Mm -hmm. there's a spectrum of care 
and a continuum of care that digital tools can fall anywhere on that spectrum. And the earlier that we can, we can get them to youth so that they know that there's preventative care options, the better. And that's where I think, to your point on those, working with direct providers, where you have, you have folks who are already working in this space, working with youth. And you know, we're not trying to take over that space, but it's more of, we want to amplify that. We want to yes. be able to uh, do more with it. And as we're starting to see with the challenges with even school counselors, finding third-party therapists or finding uh, folks who can come in to help students who they work with at a small scale or large scale is challenging in our current environment. And to have these solutions there and available to them, I think really can make a difference. Completely agree. A majority of our portfolio are uh, social service providers and youth development programs that offer a range of programs, not just mental health. So when a youth goes to an after-school program for a career dev or workforce development opportunities, their program manager can kind of see and, and help this uh, youth to access other services before they even know what to call it or know that they want it. Right, right. So with that in mind, I think looking ahead, you had mentioned this term and I, and I had highlighted this idea of surge capacity. I'm defining it interestingly in a way of, of looking at it through the lens of students, K-12 uh, arenas and even beyond that. But the way that they are learning, the way that they're interfacing with programs, the way that they are interfacing with solutions, it's it's changed. You know, some may voice for the better, some may, may voice for the worse, but it, but it has changed in terms of how they're uh, connecting, what they feel is important. So in terms of this surge capacity, thinking ahead mm-hmm. and not just about this calendar year or this fiscal year, this quarter, really kind of looking ahead, this is really a developing possibly for the next three to five years in terms of what programs and solutions are available and are going to be available for folks beyond some of the organizations that you're already uh, supporting. What, what does that look like in terms of that capacity for you all and what's kind of ahead uh, in terms of the upswing fund? Yeah, that's again, such a great question. I think, you know, the end game is to ensure that all adolescents of color and LGBTQ plus youth can access supports when and where they need it. So that doesn't have to look like traditional therapy. That doesn't have to look like teletherapy. It may look like increased supports in schools. It may look like community programs that are building out their mental health programming, offering mental health training um, to peers to be able to provide that kind of peer support. So really, we're just looking at what are those gaps that are continuing to prevent these diverse adolescents from accessing care and that care coming to them? And what can we do to help close those gaps? And philanthropic funding, I think, is just one vehicle, of course, Mm -hmm. that we're focused on. um, But it will take, I think, a coordinated approach. And so to your last question around what's, what's ahead for the upswing fund, we're going to continue to focus on grant making. We think that we know that philanthropic funding provides a key resource for organizations that are providing care for these adolescents that um, in some ways Medicaid can't cover the full cost of care. So we know this is important to be able to support that. We are focused on partnership development. So 
creating programmatic partnerships to be able to provide resources to our grantees and also collecting data and insights from our grantee partners and serving as a megaphone to what they're experiencing and what they need in the field. Well, you know, I, I want to highlight for everyone listening as well, just a number of uh, solutions and providers and organizations that the Upswing Fund has really helped to just in the very short time being around uplifting those particular organizations and direct providers and particularly looking at youth that we may have forgotten about and bringing them to light. Uh, and we've seen a lot of that from cultural competencies to supporting BIPOC students in the LGBTQ community. And I want to thank you, Sierra, for your time sharing with us about the Upswing Fund, lending your voice to the Voices in Education on podcast. So thank you. Thanks so much, Casey. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for tuning in to the Voices in Education podcast powered by Securely where we hear from new voices and explore new ideas about how we can reimagine education to support whole student success. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with others who would benefit from listening. Even a small act of support helps us reach more people and make a bigger impact. For the resources from today's episode and additional details about the podcast, please visit www.securely, that's S-E-C-U-R-L-Y dot com forward slash podcast. And until next time, thanks for listening.